So you might be new around here, or you may have just forgotten how Enough is Enough was started. This episode, we're going to go ahead and dive into how EIE was founded by myself and my sister, Willa Wallace. Let's get into it. Hi, I'm Cola Shippentower, and this is the Enough is Enough podcast, the show where we talk about everything and anything from politics to relationships, from fitness to sex and everything in between. We talk with individuals who have said enough is enough and are ready to speak what's on their hearts. Man, oh man. Where to even start and how to even get into this. And I'm just going to start off by saying this feels really weird telling this story by myself because, of course, my sister Willa Wallace is not here to tell this story with me. So I'm going to do my best to remember everything and go over the major key points to this story. So, like I said, EIE was co founded by myself. Cola Shippentower and Willa Wallace. So Willa is actually also a mom. She's got several kids and this is always just a little bit of an inside joke, but not so inside. She's got a lot of kids and they range in ages. I want to say their youngest is like nine years old and then all the way up to like 23. But they have a lot of kids in between there. So she's super duper busy like all of the time. And the other interesting part about Willa's background was that she was also a Muay Thai fighter. So she had a really long, extensive history with training and fighting and competing and all of that. So I feel like that's probably how we started vibing so well was just our background in mixed martial arts. So my story, my background story is for a completely different episode. We're not going to get into that. We all know that I do the fighting thing. So, of course, that was our connection right from the get. And the fact that we were moms. So, EIE. On March 19th, 2016, an incident occurred on our reservation. A friend of mine, Antonio Jimenez, was shot and killed. And then a family member of mine was severely injured. And I don't want to get into too many of the details on that story um, just because I, I don't feel it my place to really speak on it. I do have a couple of articles that will be linked in the show notes. So if you're interested in seeing that, but out of respect for my own family member and my friend and his family, I'm just going to leave it at that. And we'll only talk about EIE's side to that. So unfortunately, one of the suspects was a local tribal member. And then another one wasn't even from the Umatilla Reservation. And like I said, Willa and I both came from fighter backgrounds and we're both moms. So when this situation occurred, we were both very upset, angry, sad, and hurt. And for lack of any other better word, we were pissed off. We weren't sure of how to handle this, but we both knew that we wanted to do something. We wanted to show that there were people here in the community that cared about what was going on and that we weren't just going to let it go and that we wanted to make our presence known. So we ended up holding a candlelight vigil in our community out here on the reservation and we invited 
everyone and anyone who was interested. And we actually titled on the Facebook event, we called it Enough is Enough. Just because we couldn't think of anything else that we wanted to call it. And so we invited as many people as we could. We had a really, really good turnout. And the whole purpose of that was bringing the community together to be able to speak what was on our hearts and talk about how we wanted to move forward. We left it open for people to pray and to speak and just sing songs and just to be together to show the family that we were there in solidarity against this horrible crime that was committed against their family member. And then also for my cousin showing him that we were going to stand there in strength for him and pray for him and all the healing that he needed as well. So after that candlelight vigil, I know there was a couple other events that occurred in the community. Uh, There was another candlelight vigil held in Pendleton, which is about four miles from the reservation. And we made sure to also attend that. Will and I were very adamant about showing our support And showing that as moms and as community members, we weren't going away and we wanted people to know that we were there, we were pissed off, we wanted something to be done. So our efforts didn't stop there. We kept our connection and really we had only talked through Facebook about the things that we wanted to have done. So we started working on our next event, which was a community cleanup. Now, I have to say the amount of organization and work that went into this by Willa and her husband, Chris, was insane. So I remember talking about the event and I thought it was going to be pretty rink-a-dink. I'm not going to I'm not going to front. I was very much under the impression it was just going to be maybe a handful of community members showing up with maybe like some garbage bags and going around cleaning up garbage off the side of the roads, through the neighborhoods, helping out anyone that wanted help in their yards, kind of cleaning that up. And just to give you a little perspective of how it is out here in our neighborhood on the reservation is we have what are called projects and these are housing developments. So all the houses are very close, closely clumped together. There's several different streets, but there's lots of different houses on these streets that are really close. So if you're outside one house, guaranteed the neighbors know you're outside of that house. So we knew that if we kind of just walk through the neighborhoods and went through the different projects, then people would see us and maybe hear that they would they could use our services to clean up their yard or and there's a lot of elders in the community. And that's what we were kind of hoping to provide was essentially a service to them. But the morning I show up. To the event, we had positioned ourselves at the July grounds, which which is pretty central to the neighborhoods here. I show up and there's this huge trailer. There's tables, there's signs. Willa had designed a t-shirt, which had we had named our event uh, Enough is Enough Community Cleanup. So that's what was on these t-shirts, along with uh, kind of a really quick mock-up of like a logo that Chris had made and as I'm like approaching closer I'm seeing there's all these supplies like rakes and bags and gloves and water bottles and you name it like if you need it for a huge cleanup like almost like a relief it was there and I just thought wow the organization you guys have this is insane and so when I find Willa I'm talking to her and she says yeah we had a lot of um, businesses in town that wanted to sponsor it they wanted to give us supplies and this was all donated and anything that wasn't donated we were able to take care of for this event and at this moment I felt really ill-prepared I was like I really wish I would have brought more like I I don't know I didn't know that this is what we were doing um 
So we're waiting for more community members to show up. And like I said before, I thought maybe like a handful of people would show up. We had close to like 30, 30 people from the community were showing up. And it wasn't just community members. We had, I believe, one of the big bosses at Cayuse Technology show up. We had a couple other business people show up and they were wanting to help in the efforts as well. And they understood the goal of the this event and what we were trying to do. And they very much were in support of that. So after more people start showing up, then we're like, okay, let's go ahead and give them a little bit of a, a talk. We had an elder speak um, as far as praying for the community and saying, hey, we're here and we're going to take care of us. And that was very much like our our mothering instinct. We're pissed off, but we wanted to do something about it. So we get started and Chris puts up this poster board, this huge board. And I didn't really understand what it was until I got a little bit closer. And it was a map, a satellite map of the entire project area and he had already mapped out routes and areas in which we were going to walk and go to and it was just the amount of organization behind it was insane to me and I was like wow I really need to step up my game like if we're getting into something serious here like I really need to do something more so that kind of kicked off this idea of enough is enough we have two moms who were really just wanting to be more present in the community and to start helping allocate the resources and maybe funding for various different events. So over the course of three years, we hosted several events. We did a basketball camp and our idea behind any of our sports camps were to provide them for free. EIE would essentially hire coaches or trainers to come and teach our kids various sports and we wanted to provide it for free because we started realizing as moms especially as moms with multiple children I have three boys who are all very active and competitive that when you want to get your kids into really good training for any discipline any sport it can be expensive we were looking into other events and registration can be anywhere from like 50 to 100 dollars per kid they might give you a little bit of a discount like taking off $10 per extra kid or whatever. But we started to realize, wow, some of the members in the community don't have money like that. And so how do we provide this so that kids don't feel like they're having to sit out on these opportunities because they don't have the money to get registered? So our sporting events, we always provided for free. We also had a women's empowerment event, which ended up being really, really awesome. We had several different speakers. We had a lot of different presenters who presented on their areas of expertise, whether it be like fitness or self-care or business, you name it, they hopped in on it and all of our presenters absolutely killed it. And it was a really amazing event. We've also done an anti-bullying seminar. We were asked to show up at the local high school here and talk to the kids about bullying and the problems that could come from that, which was really fun for me because I was really adamant about putting together this panel of various individuals from the community and not just from the reservation. We had people from the surrounding areas on this panel and also pretty upstanding 
community members. So we had people that had experience of being bullied, and we also had people that had experience in bullying others and how it affected their lives as they got older. So it was really interesting for the kids to hear this conversation amongst these adults and how it affected completely into their adulthood. We also ended that event with some like trust building exercises, some team building exercises. It was actually really fun and I had a lot of a lot of fun working with those kids. We've also had speaking engagements in regards to MMIW. So one thing that really connected Willa and I was our connection to MMIW. And this will be on a completely different episode. And I'm pretty sure we'll have a very long and extensive series just surrounding MMIW. And if you don't know what that is, that's Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. And it's an epidemic that's sweeping across Native country and is we're working really, really hard to bring more awareness, some resolution, and hopefully some peace around it. So on a personal note, I have a cousin who went missing and was later found by community members like Willa. And at the time, I didn't really understand her connection and why she was so adamant about putting together a community search for her. But I later found out that my cousin, Babette, who I've grown up with my entire life, was actually best friends with Willa. They had been friends since their childhood. They had lived next door to each other. They were neighbors. So that even more solidified this partnership between Willa and I because we had this very close and personal connection. And the weird thing was that my cousin was no longer here, but yet we were still finding this relationship and becoming so close. And so that started a lot of our work in MMIW and advocacy. And so a lot of our speaking engagements were in front of government officials, law enforcement. Um, I know one conference we went to was for CASA, which is a foster care program in our area. So we were trying to help educate them as to what some of our children could be facing, some of the moms could be facing. We've also hired other speakers, other indigenous and native speakers to come to our community to do uh, speaking events. So we've been able to facilitate that. And we're also a part of a couple of different task force. Um, And I don't want to speak too much on that because we're still trying to navigate our participation on those task force. But those task forces are definitely in alignment with our, I feel like our sole purpose, sole purposes here at EIE. So after that, two and a half, three years of work and doing all all these things in the event and with the community. Um, I, in my own personal journey, was taking on a couple of fights for MMA. And so I was really focused on my training camp and cutting weight. So I was a little distant from our our goal here. But Willa kept working. She kept pushing. And she actually was the one who obtained our official nonprofit status in 2019, um, she went to the Pendleton Chamber of Commerce and went through all the paperwork. And I kid you not when I say that it is a process, it is a huge process. When she finally showed me and told me what all needed to be done and what her and Chris had done, it was just like when we had first started back in 2016, the amount of organization that these people have, like it knows no bounds. They really put everything together and I was absolutely impressed. And I was like, wow, we're official. So this means we need to do some things. So um, I was working on my business degree and fortunately I was able to get a little 
educated on certain software. And so I was able to develop a, a logo for us and get some business cards going and kind of give us a little bit more of a professional look to our business. So it started to really come together and really form. And then we went quiet for a bit. And this wasn't because of lack of interest, lack of motivation or anything like that. We hit a really tough time in 2020. The pandemic happened. COVID happened. And I mean, what can you really do with a community outreach organization when a majority of our events are in person? And that's how we connect with our community is being together in person and um, we didn't really see how we were going to be able to do that. And so quarantine happened. Everyone was isolate, isolated. Everyone had to stay home. And then May of 2020 hits. And this is when all of the BLM marches and the protests and everything were happening. And we started seeing this huge ordeal unfold. And again, Will and I came together with the feeling of, I don't want to say abandonment, that f- that doesn't feel right, but we felt like sitting ducks, almost. We understood the importance and the injustice behind this movement. Black Lives Matter. We both totally understand this. And we just felt something needs to be done. And what are we going to do? So we both sat on it for a couple of days and had to really sit down and have conversations in our own homes. And the reason being, I'll give you a little bit more background, is Will and I are moms and fighters and very natural activists. That's what we've come to the conclusion is that's what our hearts call to. But we have to also remember Willis' husband, Chris, is in the military and my husband is in law enforcement. These are very interesting dynamics when you really think about it. When you have two very strong women who are very gung-ho and then stubborn to their own efforts, as opposed to a military law enforcement mindset where rules will be followed, laws have to be followed, And there's no room for error, but also there's this box you must stay inside of. So when you're telling two moms who are fighters and activists to stay inside this box, it can be very difficult. So it is a very interesting dynamic, even in our own homes. But that isn't to say that our husbands don't support us. They absolutely do. And the funny thing is we've always joked about if we couldn't find resources for any specific event, then we kind of dug into our own resources to make these things happen. So it's always been a little funny for us because our husbands are like, well, we're pretty much secretaries and sponsors and this and that. So they very much support our efforts and want to be there for us in every way possible. But also the mindset and the heart set behind this work can be a little complicated. And it really has to be conversated about and worked through and thought about. So when BLM happened, we were very much... We got to be careful about how we're going to approach this, but we do want to make sure that the black community, even here on the reservation and in Pendleton, knows that we are supportive and we understand and we want to be there for them. So in June of 2020, we ended up facilitating this event called Indigenous Allies. 
And we were able to co-host this with Akatsia Red Elk. And if you don't know her, she is a world champion jingle dress dancer. She's also a powwow yoga instructor. She's awesome. She's amazing. If you have not seen any of her work, which I doubt by this point you haven't, you should know who she is. Um, Definitely go and look her up on Instagram. She is an amazing soul. She has an amazing heart and she really represents our people to the fullest. So we partnered up with her. We also asked a couple of elders in our community, um, Art McConville, who is also a veteran, and Mildred Quimps, who is one of our language speakers here. And we asked them to come and speak and to help us kind of just really promote this overall positive, supportive energy to the community. And the sole purpose of having this gathering was to show that we understood the injustice. We understood the oppression that was happening behind this movement, but we didn't want to take the attention away from it. So that's why we called it Indigenous Allies, because as Native people, what we do in hard times is we come together, we dance, we pray, we sing, and that's how we felt would be the best way to show our support. This was by no means any sort of march or protest. We didn't leave the area that we were in and it was very peaceful. And I feel the energy was very positive and uplifting. And that's what we wanted to portray to the community and let them know we're here. If you need anything, we are here to help you. And with the same breath, we wanted to also stress that we understood that when the time comes, when we need help, we understand that our Black brothers and sisters would be there to support us as well, which it's always been like that between these two communities, because you know, these two cultures understand the injustices done in this country to our people. And so that that was the sole purpose of this gathering. So we went really quiet the rest of 2020. We didn't really have a whole lot going on. And so now we're in 2021. And my sister Willa is very much dealing with a lot in her own personal life. And of course we all are. The pandemic hit us all in very different ways. And um, a lot of our own priorities have maybe switched up and everything. And one thing that I know without a doubt with Willa is that she is very much always put her family first. Her kids are her everything. Her family is everything. So when really hard times hit, she is there. She's their rock. She is their strength. She does absolutely she everything she can to be the best mother possible. And so with her kind of taking the backseat to EIE, the other awesome part about our partnership in this organization is that we've always kind of given each other the respect of space and room to continue working. So just like in 2019, um, when I had my own fighting stuff going on, she took it upon herself to go ahead and do the nonprofit status and everything because she felt her heart pulling in that direction and wanted to do that for us, which I'm absolutely grateful for. And I feel so blessed to have this organization to be working for. And just like in this time, She allows that respectful space to say, hey, if you see something, if you want to work on something, if you see an opportunity and you're ready for it, go for it. And so that's what leads us up to this year wanting to relaunch this podcast because we did start one back in 2018 and we covered a lot of different topics. We covered women's empowerment. We covered the LGBTQ community. We covered fitness. We covered 
a lot of different areas. And it was really, really awesome to be able to open up this platform for open conversation and allowing individuals in the community to talk about what was on their hearts. And essentially people that were like, you know what, enough is enough. Like I should be able to talk about what I want to talk about. I should be able to say what I want to say. And that's what we started this podcast for. We've also started really working on some safety training. Like I said, a huge a huge goal for us is to continue raising awareness in regards to MMIWP and talking about it. And for me personally, in this journey, I feel like I've talked about it so much, but now I feel like I really need to do something. That's the Enneagram 3, Wing 2 coming out in me. I love a to-do list. So I've been working really, really hard on a safety training and have actually been able to already teach one training and I'll have another one coming up at the end of this month which is we're in February right now so that's something I've been working really hard and of course our advocacy work is never going to stop with MMIWP we'll continue doing that and now that this newfound energy and this intention has been found I feel 2021 is going to be nothing but good and awesome things and I'm really excited for it and yeah I feel like that kind of brings us to the end of how EIE got started, and it's only the beginning, and I feel that absolutely amazing, and I don't want to make this one crazy long. I just want to give you a little bit of background, a little bit of history on how we got started, and some key points I would really love for you to take away from this today is people talk about finding what they're passionate about. And sometimes people have a hard time doing that. And the people that I've come across that have had a hard time doing that, I've often asked them, what pisses you off? What makes you mad? And back in 2016, what had pissed Will and I off was the fact that people were coming essentially into our home and conducting themselves in such a violent and not okay way. We said no. Enough is enough. That's not okay. You cannot come into our home and act that way. So we're going to do something about it. Very much grassroots effort and very much just a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. A lot of what has gone into this work. And so if you're struggling with that right now, very easy, simple question. What pisses you off? And that could be the lack of education around certain topics. It could be how people do this or that. You can really dive deep into that. What pisses you off? Now, I should put onto the side of this. When Will and I first started this back in 2016, yes, we were two very pissed off mothers who also have backgrounds in fighting. Over the past five years, this huge transition has taken place, this huge shift. We've gone from being pissed off to hoping to provide a different type of energy and that energy being positive and uplifting and healing and open. And I know that as we go into 2021, we're coming from a really rough year of a pandemic and all of us really hoping and praying that we're coming up towards, you know, the end of it and to getting back to being able to see each other in person. Our hopes with EIE are to continue providing spaces for healing and positive energy and support and spaces to be able to fully engage with the groups of people that you want to engage with and feed 
and give back that energy that you want. Another key point for this is always find really good support. As a co-business owner and working in this nonprofit, it is absolutely essential that you find support that is going to be right there with you and want the same things as you. So the partnership between Willa and I, we started out as complete strangers. I didn't know who she was and she didn't know who I was, but we found this common ground of just wanting to create change and hopefully provide some positivity in a really negative situation. And over these years, our relationship has grown into a sisterhood. And that's why I call her my sister. She calls me her little sister. Everywhere we go, people think that we are sisters because of how close we've become. And it was because of being able to find this such good and positive support and someone that just vibes with you really good. That's really, really important when it comes to building a movement like this. And I'm trying to make sure that I cover everything here. Oh, another huge thing. Google, Google, Google. That has been something that's been really like huge foundation for this work. I know when Willow was um, going to file for our status, she had to Google a lot of the different things that she was going to need. And that's how she got through the mountains of paperwork it takes to build a nonprofit. And when it came to understanding what a nonprofit was going to need, when I was like, do we need business cards? What should our logo look like? What should I include in this? What should I do with that? I Googled a lot of it. Both of us have Googled so much so many articles, so many journals on everything. We have Googled so much. So do not be afraid to utilize that ultimate resource that is readily available to you. You don't even have to be on a computer. You can do it from your phone. Um, I literally did did that. In starting a podcast, I Googled, how do you start a podcast? How do you get a podcast on Spotify? It's right there. Number one resource for almost everything. Use Google. Now, the other thing that I found in this work and even in the past month that I've realized, and I'm coming up on being 32 years old this year, and there's times where I'm still telling people, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up because I haven't been able to really settle and solidify what it is that I wanted to do with my life. I'm like, oh, I love being a mom. I love training. I love teaching classes. I love fighting. I love all these amazing things. And I love just connections with people. But what am I doing? Like, what's going to happen? And really trying to figure out where that's going to go. What I've discovered, and even just the past three weeks, is that if you find yourself getting so lost, not even lost, getting so intentional and focused into something that you lose track of time. I can't tell you how many times I've been working on things for EIE and I look up and I'm like, wow, where did those hours go? But the thing is, is I felt so connected and focused on the work that I was doing that it didn't even matter. That it was like, wow, like I feel fulfilled. I feel productive. I feel successful. And I feel like I've gotten so much completed in that time. And I can't wait to get to the next thing. If you're finding yourself so intentionally focused and then energized that you lose track of time in something, that's probably what you should be doing. And for me, it's this work and just trying to create connections for our communities, all the different various different types of communities. And then this advocacy work with MMIW is really what I'm hoping to be able to continue working on.
It's really what I feel my calling might be. And if that's something you're thinking about, like, wow, yeah, I do do something that I get lost in and I lose track of time and I'm so focused on it, but I love it. Then you should probably really think about this is what you should be doing with your life. And really just engage with that and work with that. So I really hope this gave you a little bit more of an insight as to EIE, how we got started and what our goals are and what we would like to continue doing. And ultimately, the last point being when we started EIE, our hopes were to bridge the unfortunate gaps that are in this society. And whether that be between tribal people and non-tribal people, whether that be through the various and diverse cultures that we have in our world today, or whether that be between our community and government agencies and law enforcement, that has always been our hopes and our dreams is being able to bridge that gap and provide connections and facilitate connections between everyone. So thank you so much for listening to the story. And like I said earlier, this is so weird telling this story by myself very much miss my sister um but i i really do hope it gave a little bit of insight and maybe encouraged you a little bit to do some deep diving for yourself and finding out what you'd like to be doing in your journey thank you for listening to the enough is enough podcast if you would like more information on our host guests or podcast episodes please visit us on instagram at eie541 